welcome to What Am I Rolling, a twice-monthly RPG one-shot podcast, hosted by me, Fiona. This week, I'm joined by my friends Dusty, Katrina, and Jess for Going Rogue 2E, a GMless anti-fascist tabletop RPG about war, rebellion, and making the ultimate sacrifice. Some dedicate their lives to the cause. One day, you will dedicate everything. Those who dream of a better world know one simple, terrible fact. Not everyone who helps build it will be blessed with the opportunity to live in it. Those who put their lives on the line to transmute the dreams of rebellion into reality know the grim truth that to see this transformation occur, they may one day have to give their lives as a catalyst. Going Rogue 2E is a GM-less tabletop role-playing game for two to five players that tells the story of that sacrifice. Written by Jess Levine and originally developed as an expansion for Riley Rethel's Galactic 2E, Going Rogue 2E takes its inspiration from Rogue One, a Star Wars story, and the TV series Andor. This game uses Galactic 2E's mechanical foundation to weave narratives about troubled martyrs mired in messy, ethically grey conflicts who must face the possibility of making the ultimate sacrifice. You can find out more information about Going Rogue to Eat and grab your own copy on Jess's itch.io page. I'll add links to that, to Jess's main website and to Dustin and Katrina's many creative projects on the What Am I Rolling website and in this episode show notes. Rogue and Galactic 2E are belonging outside belonging systems, a game engine designed by Avery Alder and Benjamin Rosenbaum. Games using the belonging outside belonging framework are played with no dice and no masters. Everyone collaborates on world building through a community worksheet and the control of broader setting elements is distributed around the table. In Going Rogue 2E, players step into the rebellion being waged by the liberation to free the galaxy of the mandate. They inhabit one of five playbooks that completely replace those offered in the Galactic 2E base game. These are the Spy, the Leveraged, the Knight Errant, the Convert, and the Loyal. Going Rogue 2E also offers three pillars, or in belonging outside belonging terms, setting elements that supplement those in Galactic 2E. This includes the Parliament and the Intelligence, a deliberate and democratic council and a burdened and decisive network of spies that are locked in a constant battle for the heart and mind of the liberation. Going Rogue 2E also offers a unique new clock mechanic known as Fates, which gives the players the opportunity to commit to a series of predestined events that the space between, the mystical force that connects all things, has bound the player characters to experience together. In the Sacrifice Fate, Players explore the dramatic irony of knowing that before the story's end, each of the characters will pay the ultimate price, giving their lives to accomplish a vital mission against seemingly impossible odds. Jess does an amazing job of running us through Going Rogue 2E. 
It was an absolute pleasure to have her on and to talk us through her design choices during character creation and guiding us through a full session. So I don't want to dwell too much on those elements here. The main mechanic to look out for is this. Whenever a player wants to take an action, they make a move. Each character role has a set of moves in three different varieties. Vulnerable moves, where they gain a token, strong moves, where they spend a token, and lateral moves, where they give a token to another character. Pillars and NPCs have moves as well, but only vulnerable and lateral ones. Each pillar has its own token pool, but NPCs do not. When NPCs make moves, they act as extensions of pillars. And in the same vein, when a character makes a lateral move that affects an NPC or maybe even a more abstract group or concept, that token goes to the pillar that the NPC or group is attached to. One last thing before we begin. Naturally, there are times in this one shot where the players and myself, mostly myself, get the rules wrong or forget something plot-wise. Whilst we always endeavour to stick to the rules wherever possible, at the end of the day, we all make mistakes. And what matters most is that everyone enjoys themselves. So, with all that out of the way, let's play Going Rogue 2E. Brilliant, everyone. So thank you so much. Uh, I'll quickly start with the introduction. So my name is Fiona. My pronouns are she, her, and I am the host of What Am I Rolling, which is a twice monthly RPG one-shot podcast. I also do a whole other D&D and RPG stuff as well. But today I am delighted to be part of this amazing table. I'll have to start with the icebreaker question, which I have to answer first, right? So the icebreaker question for this table is if you were to discover a planet, what kind of planet would it be and what would you call it? I think currently, because I know I'm talking to people who are in completely different time zones just now, but it is incredibly warm in the UK where I am just now. Uh, we're reaching highs of about 30 degrees Celsius, which I appreciate doesn't seem that high, but my God, I am in a strappy top. I am still sweating. <laughs> so I think the planet I would currently like to discover is one that is just pure ice, maybe a bit of slush, perhaps, uh, that I can just cool down a little bit. And definitely, I think um, if it's made of slush, well, I've obviously got to have slush puppy like icebergs and stuff, right? So that's like, that's what I would think. I think I would call it um, slush puppy version two, because I'm sure the first one's already been taken up and eaten and <laughs> used for commercial purposes. Um, but yeah, I'm going to pass it over to Dusty, if that's okay. Yeah, hi, uh, I'm Dusty. I use they, he pronouns. I am a co-producer on Goblets and Gays as well as cast on there. I'm also the producer and GM of An Unwavering Force. It's a Star Wars story using Pathfinder 2E. I think if you enjoy what we're going to play, you'll probably enjoy our podcast. Uh, for a planet, I think it would be really cool to have just a completely like, I was going to say underwater planet, but it's just all water. But like it's where you could breathe in breathe underwater mm. or in water it's no longer underwater you could breathe in water and it's like civilizations like that because i i enjoy swimming i enjoy being in the water but like if you don't know it's at the bottom of the ocean because you can't get there it's spooky but if it's all water it's probably fine because of gravity and stuff and i think in the same name convention i called atlantis too <laughs> yep 
I love that. Great. Thank you so much. Uh, Katrina, if you'd like to go next, please. Hi, I'm Katrina. I go, uh, my pronouns are she and they, and I am the co-host of Padro Pascal, the podcast about Pedro Pascal, the founder of Ventress Day coming up this year, November 14th, 20 years of Asajj Ventress, uh, and the host of What's Club, where we talk about all your favorite Star Wars characters with love and care and, and all that good stuff. If I were to discover a planet, honestly, I have a lot of ideal planets in Star Wars because they're just biomes and it's like, this is the weather the whole time throughout the year. So if I were to discover a planet, I would want a place that is um, 70 degrees Fahrenheit around year round um, all the time. I would like a place where you are always close to the beach, but you are also always close to a very nice park. And I um, would call that planet um nice like france but in space like the nice, nice. that's the tagline it's france but in space i like how both of our planets are polar opposite to each other i would unfortunately katrina i would never be visiting your planet <laughs> <laughs> it sounds lovely but not for me i i would come to your planet during the holidays when all the right. lights are up right exactly yes we yeah. have like, proper illuminations absolutely and then to finally pass it on to our, our wonderful game master for this one, uh, Jess, please introduce yourself for us. Hi, I'm Jess Levine. I'm sometimes known as Jess from online, depending on where you know me from. I am the creator of Going Rogue 2E, which is the game we'll play today. And I'll let you know a little bit more about it soon. And I will be facilitating uh, this game. And I'm also the creator of a few other games. I have The High Ground, which is a two-player dueling game of banter, posturing, and capes. And surprisingly, not a Star Wars game, unlike Going Rogue 2E. Also, the Scum and Villains expansion, which came out recently, and is another uh, expansion for Galactic. We'll get into what Galactic is that's inspired by Star Wars crime stories. I'm also an author, which I will get into as I answer our icebreaker question. Oh, I don't know if I said, but my pronouns are she, her. And my answer to our icebreaker question, I love snow. I love snow like a child loves snow. I run to the window the first snow of the season, pretty much any snow. So probably an ice planet, very like Hoth vibes. And to follow the, the naming scheme from Fiona and Dusty, uh, by just like adding a number, I am a sucker for like a very old school sci-fi Greek names for like planets and ships and everything. Uh, and one of my stories um, has Orion 6. So I'm going to call my my planet Orion 7. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, uh, Orion 7, nice. the ice planet, is the one I would discover. Good, good. Well, I'm sure these plants will be available to visit after this game, <laughs> depending on yes, how well we do. <laughs> Right. Well, I'm just going to hand it straight over back to Jess and let's go. Let's, let's, let's play this game. I'm really excited for it. Absolutely. So I'm just going to give you all a short introduction as to what the game is. Uh, and then most of it we will like learn and experience through play. But just so people know what they're what they're about to be in for. Going Rogue 2E is a belonging outside belonging game, which for those unfamiliar is a system by Avery Alder and Benjamin Rosenbaum. They wrote it for their games Dream Askew and Dream Apart brilliant games, honestly changed tabletop gaming. Uh, they are no dice, no masters systems. So there is no GM, there is no dice rolls. It's all a token system. And then Riley Rethel, 
made a game on that system called Galactic, or now Galactic 2E, the second edition. Galactic is a Star Wars game. It's the story of charming heroes and wars among the stars, as the cover says. Uh, and it is also Star Wars with the serial numbers filed off. Instead of the Empire, you have the Mandate. Instead of the Rebellion, you have the Liberation, because we don't get Disney licenses in this house. But yeah, so Riley made um, Galactic 2E, and I fell in love with it. I was in a campaign in which we wrote 150,000 words of short fiction about our characters, our galactic characters. And so when Riley announced there would be a game jam for second edition, I was like, I would love to make a game for it or, or expansion content for it. And specifically, I realized Rogue One was my favorite Star Wars at that time. This was a pre-Andor world. So of course that has changed now. But at the time, Rogue One was my favorite Star Wars. And the base game is fantastic, but it tells the story of charming heroes like you get in the like mainline Star Wars movies. It's not as much meant to tell the gritty sort of tone that you get in Rogue One. And so I made a game about troubled martyrs uh, ready to give their lives for the cause. And that is going rogue. I would eventually release a second edition. And at this point, it is it is based on Galactic, but it is largely its own game that tells this different sort of story and how it does that a few key elements. You have playbooks. These playbooks are based on characters from uh, the movie, and you'll probably be able to tell, like, who am I riffing on when we do each of the playbooks I might also specify. We'll each play one of the uh, five playbooks. Then we have pillars. Pillars are the elements of the setting. So this is, instead of a GM, each of us can step into the role of one of these pillars or different pillars at different times, and act as the environment. The pillars also have NPCs attached to them that work with them, and any of us can play the NPCs. So we'll, we'll pass NPCs around the table. The way all of this works is there is a token economy. So you can do a vulnerable move, which gains you a token. And a vulnerable move is telling your other players, make me look bad. This is a moment of weakness for your character because that's the, that's so fun. It is so fun to be vulnerable and weak and have those tough moments. And it also gives you a token that you can later use to do a strong move, which costs a token. And a strong move says, play up my strengths in this moment. It is signaling to the rest of the table. I want this to be a heroic moment for my character. Please support me in making this character stand out and feel good in this moment. Riley's Galactic adds an extra move type to uh, belonging outside belonging, which is called lateral moves, where you give a token to someone else. And so when you give a token, that is saying, play into my playbook, play into what I'm all about. And if you do, you get a token, and then you get to take the narrative spotlight. So in general, these tokens move the narrative spotlight around, and the pillars themselves also can gain tokens and give tokens. This is really where you set up Chekhov's gun. So if you were looking at, for example, the mandate, they have foreshadow a larger threat and gain a token. And so you see that like Star Destroyer looming in the background. And then later you have put someone in immediate danger and give them a token. You cash in on Chekhov's gun and give that to a player who you've put in danger. So yeah, that's the basic mechanics of the game. It opens up with setting and character creation because the thing about this game is we're not playing in canon Star Wars, so we have a lot of space to decide what are these things to us? What is the liberation? What is the mandate? What is the type of story we're telling? And what like genre are we in, essentially? And so we will start with that. 
And it's important to remember also that like, that is a form of play. One of the brilliant things about belonging outside belonging is that when we're making characters, we're also going to be answering questions about their past and answering questions about each other. And we'll tell stories in that process. Pitch is play. Coming up with all of these ideas is an aspect of play. Um, and so we'll probably spend the first little while doing that and then get into the like formal play section later. So last thing I want to go over before we just hop straight into that um, is just safety tools. We've already talked beforehand off the podcast uh, about any lines and veils we want to use, lines being things that we do not want to come up at all, veils being things that can exist in the universe. We might reference them, but they exist off screen. I'm not going to repeat those aloud right now. We have them in the chat. But if you need to add a line or a veil at any point in the game, including now, you can do so. And we have the X card. That is saying, hey, whatever we're doing right now, I don't want to do it anymore. And when you X card, we stop, we move away. You don't have to answer any questions. If you have more you want to say to make sure we can avoid it in the future, you can do that aloud. You can do that in chat. I just want everyone, including the audience, to know that those safety tools are there because more than anything, we're here to have fun, have a good time. Going Rogue can be a very intense game. As I said, it is a game about tragic martyrs. And so... Take care of yourself. If you ever need to take a step back or if you need to say, hey, this is a little too dark for me, that is okay. But just know that where the story might be headed is some sort of tragedy, but a heroic one. Yeah. Do we have any questions for any of you before we get started? Any lines or veils that you want to add? Nothing additional. I think no. you covered it all, Jess. Yeah. Excellent. That is good to hear. Okay, so for going rogue, I change up one thing from the base game, which is that instead of doing pillars, those setting elements, making those after our characters, we start with two pillars, then we make our characters, then we do the rest of the pillars. Reason being, going rogue adds two pillars to the base game. That's the parliament and the uh, intelligence. And these are represented if you, uh, there's going to be spoilers for Rogue One in this uh, show. I don't think I, that's a thing I can really avoid. So the parliament is sort of who you would think of as Mon Mothma when like Jin appears before everyone uh, reporting to that council. Um, these are the people practicing parliamentary democracy to some degree in the rebellion. And then the intelligence, that would be like Cassian's boss who, embarrassingly, I can't remember his name. He comes over the radio and is like, kill Galen or so. That is the intelligence. That's the, the network of spies. And we'll get a little more detail about them through these read-alouds. As we introduce each pillar and each playbook, we will read aloud the italicized text under them just to introduce them. And the parliament and the intelligence read-alouds are my most indulgent piece of writing in this rulebook. Uh, they're a little long for read-alouds, but I'm going to permit myself that one thing because I'm very happy with them. And so I will read the Parliament, and then Fiona, will you read the Intelligence after that? Of course, yeah, I'm happy to. Perfect. And we'll do them both in tandem because these are two forces that are set up in tension uh, in this game, and you'll see that as we describe them. I'll say a little more, and then we'll get into picking desires. I'll explain that. Mm -hmm. So, the Parliament. A revolution is nothing without its democracy. 
the Parliament represents a diverse range of forces, factions, and commitments joining together to try to negotiate their differences and devise a plan that they can all share. At its best, the Parliament is a comradely collectivity and an example of how a more just galaxy would be governed. Sadly, democracy is not without its discontents. The Parliament is often slow to action, even when the situation calls for decisiveness. It can be conservative and conciliatory, aiming to keep the peace and avoid risk when only daring action can move the galaxy closer to freedom. At its worst, the parliament is a wrench caught in the gears of liberation. Yeah, I can understand why you indulge yourself on that for a well. <laughs> So the intelligence. Thank you. <laughs> the intelligence. A revolution is nothing without its might. It is the liberation's spies that enable its small fleet to succeed against a vast enemy. The intelligence is a clandestine network and a messy hierarchy of burdened people who do whatever it takes to rid the galaxy of the mandate. At its best, the intelligence can turn a guaranteed defeat into a galaxy-inspiring victory. Sadly, the intelligence work is not without its iniquities. It's possible to do great evils in the pursuit of justice and difficult to walk that line without treading over it. Those in liberation intelligence position themselves to avoid oversight and accountability whenever possible, and are not above hurting those with good intentions. At its worst, the intelligence corrupts the ethical and democratic principles that distinguish the liberation and the mandate. And so what is important about both of these descriptions is we've seen, I try to describe the best and the worst of both of these forces, because it's important to think about neither of these are the bad guys. They're both in tension with each other. The parliament is trying to maintain this democratic like culture and the intelligence might be trying to, to go a little rogue, um, but it's doing that to try to win what the vision that we all, that this entire liberation wants the world to be. And I think that there are points in my book where I bias towards the intelligence a little bit, just because I'm existing in a media environment where people who are willing to do the messy work get demonized a lot of the time, like yeah. existing in such a liberal rather than leftist environment. However, um, it's important to say that in this game, I don't intend either to be the bad guys, and it's instead each one can get too excessive and they hold each other in balance and intention in order to move the world to a better place. And so with that said, we're going to pick some desires. What this does for us is because we don't have a GM, it's hard at times hard to say, well, what would the parliament do? And we can go to those desires and say, well, we know that they want guaranteed victories. And so you might invoke a move on the parliament in order to pursue guaranteed victories. It's a guide for us how this force acts on the world and also just builds our setting. Because like, we don't know where we are, who these people are yet, and the desires will help answer that. And so I'll read aloud the desires and then I'll put to the table what desires people, like what jumps out to you. So our options are, Guaranteed victories, powerful allies, strength in numbers, safety from retribution for the innocent, popular support for the liberation, forces in reserve, peace through compromise, lengthy deliberation, ideological discourse, and a dream that never dies. Are any of these standing out to you all? The first one that comes to me, I mean, because Mon um, is on mind. Um, is peace through compromise. Mm. Absolutely. Because that easily causes a lot of tension. Right? Yeah, they want to like spend the time to to bring that compromise rather than taking unilateral action. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think one of the, the 
the problems or the issues. I forgot what the word is that I'm looking for between the uh, the rebellion and its more like political allies is that uh, the politicians wanted to see, you know, results and guaranteed victories. I think of Senator Pomlo and how, how, you know, she said this is hopeless. So I think guaranteed victories is a good one to raise the stakes. Agreed. Absolutely. And it's like our, our support for you is conditional on you have to be able to win. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think this to round it off, I think the one that really stands out to me is the one at the end of a dream that never dies. Because I think there's just something about, because that's with all the, um, the war amongst the star kind of films, right? Is that no matter what, you know, even when there is the dark side and all that sort of thing, is that there is still hope. So even if it is peace through compromise and we must get guaranteed victories, we still want it to happen. We, you know, it's like there is still that little flame, essentially. So that's the mm-hmm. one I would vote for as well as a dream that never dies. And that's such a beautiful combination with guaranteed victories because it, like, it makes it sure they might be a little like conservative and hesitant, but it's also because we can't afford to lose the rebellion, right? That dream can never go away, and so it's coming from this good place, this believing in what we do and that it must live. Reminds me of. Uh, the last Jedi scene of Haldo being like, it is much more important we like get away and survive than we like take down this one star destroyer. So mm-hmm. I think we've built a really fun parliament here. And then on the flip side, we have the intelligence. Fiona, could you read the desires for the intelligence? Absolutely. So yes, we've got to choose three of these. So uh, a chance to turn the tide of the war, leverage over liberation members, the heads of mandate officials, or, uh, classified mandate intelligence, sabotage, Reduced oversight, secrecy, willing sacrifices to bear the heaviest burdens so others don't have to. Which of these are standing out to you all? With the role I'm playing, I'm a little partial to classified mandate intelligence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Having it on hand is such a, it's like holding a fire firework, you know, it could explode at any moment. That's also so interesting to me because I usually think of that as like mission goal is to get more intelligence, which it still could be. But thinking of that as something that's already in hand because they want it so they have it. So we have like sort of a MacGuffin of this thing we know that they don't know we know mm. is such a fun setup. I really like that. Anything else standing out to people? I'm stuck on two. So I'm just going to say Go for both it. and we'll yeah, figure yeah. it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One is willing sacrifices, mm-hmm. which will kind of like almost goes hand in hand with uh, the parliament with like guaranteed victories Mm -hmm. so like it's a little unsure but also just like we will win but like we will lose a lot at the same time Mm -hmm. but also to bear the heaviest burden so others don't have to Mm -hmm. that's also really good because that's that's just that's just luthan right there and yes luthan is such a good compelling character and so yeah. just thinking that like you're doing all this as the intelligence because you will do all the things that other people don't want to and can't mm-hmm. so things could get done it's it's not pretty yeah i burn my life for a future i will never see yes um, i've made my mind to stop a space all of that um <sighs> as you could tell i love that monologue um so I'm down to take both, unless there's something else. Fiona, if you have something. Yeah, I was going to say, because uh, what we've chosen, guaranteed victories, uh, a dream that never dies, and peaceful compromise. I wonder if throwing in something like sabotage would make an interesting tension. Mm-hmm. So the idea of like, oh, we, you know, like you said, that sort of, I know it says there, obviously, in the parliament, like lengthy deliberation as well, which I think that, you know, peaceful compromise, you, I think you were saying before, like, we're taking our time to get it. But then I can imagine just like, we've got this bit of information 
go it, you know, and, and, and screw it, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. So that that's one that was drawing me to, but I, I really like to bear the heaviest burden so others don't have to myself. I think that's such a, again, just such a powerful line. So, I mean, kudos to you, Jess, obviously, but uh, it's Thank just, you. I'm just like, whew. Uh, yeah, that, that, so yeah, so that's me. So I, I'm very sort of like, not easy that's not the word but I, i'm very sort of uh willing to have uh any of those really which i know is not not very helpful for this game <laughs> no it it is i actually one thing I, I tend to put in all my games and i think is in this text or i have the high ground is rules are inspiration not limitation they mm. are to like help you but they're here to help you tell a story and if you find if you take that story into your own hands great so let's pick four desires let's break the rules Ooh. um so, oh, got permission. Hooray. Exactly. Right. You can't get it from a higher authority in this I've game. I've got the game designer saying yes. <laughs> so classified mandate intelligence, sabotage, willing sacrifices, and to bear the heaviest burden so that others don't have to. And part of what I like about this combination um, is, like you said, the parliament is like, let's take our time. Let's figure out this whole plan. And the combination of classified mandate intelligence and sabotage gets us like, oh, we just got a tip. We know that we can hit this thing and the uh, we want to do this sabotage, but we don't have time. The intelligence won't last long, like it won't be relevant in mm-hmm. a week. Um, and so we need willing sacrifices, willing to bear the burden of knowing we're not waiting for the compromise that we say we do. And, and But don't worry, no one else needs to know that you're the disposable assets who are willing to sacrifice themselves so that no one else has to know. I think we've like set up a story through some yeah. of these desires. Oof. Yes. We should just take a moment, read like a few of the moves so people have a sense of what is here. These pillars are really the centerpieces of a going rogue game, and then everything else sort of orbits around them. So the parliament has, for example, summon one or more people before a council and gain a token. That sets stuff up. Or it has invite someone to deliberate if they do give them a token, and that resolves it. Could you go ahead, Fiona, and read like the first and third intelligence moves? Absolutely. So yeah, the first one, it says, take someone aside for a secret meeting and gain a token. And then the third one says, apply leverage over someone and give them a token. Because we are not above that Ooh. in the intelligence as, we, as we've seen in Andor, as we've seen with Jin uh, in Rogue One. go for each of our playbooks uh we will introduce what the name of the playbook is and then there's again italicized text under them and we will read that aloud to introduce who they are so for mine you are the leveraged the leveraged is a non-believer compelled by circumstance their power comes from their outside perspective their desperation and their capacity to grow this is my Jin or so. This is my attempt to rescue Jin or so as a character. I love Rogue One. I love female protagonists. I hate Jin or so. They messed up her character really bad. It is the one thing in that movie that especially like I struggle with. Like this could have been so much better. The leverage is in conversation with Jin or so and trying to like be like, what could that character have been? Um, so I'm excited to play. So the Knight Errant. Hello, that is me. So yes, you are the Knight Errant. The knight errant once served a cause and now searches for one. Their power comes from their experience, grit, and renewed passion. Awesome. And that's my Bays and Chirut, both of them sort of together in one character, um, away and, and coming back. And then you are the convert. So, uh, Dusty, you want to take that? 
The Convert joined Liberation recently and truly believes it can make a difference. Their power comes from their conscious optimism, energy, and luck. This is Bodhi Rook, the pilot, who's like, if I only reach um, uh, Saw Gerrera, everything will be fine. We can do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, it is now the Nemec playbook, now that Nemec exists in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. It's, it's... just just Nemec. Um, and then finally, the spy. I feel like we all know who this one is. You are the spy. The spy is a skilled operator, highly committed, but ruthless. Their power comes from their cunning, determination, and willingness to do whatever it takes. The original game, that, like the first Gun Rogue, was really just a love letter to this playbook. I just wanted to write this playbook. I <laughs> fell in love with Cassian Andor. I am like, I, I call myself like number one lesbians for Cassian Andor, uh, like fan fangirl. Um, <laughs> Would they be called Standors? Standors. Absolutely. <laughs> I Done. love that. Copyright. Um, ASAP. Go, go, go. <laughs> But one fun thing I get to say in the post-Andor world is that this is the Andor of the movie. This is Cassian of the movie. Whereas Cassian of the show is actually the leveraged. He mm-hmm. is a better example of what a generous character can be of like someone being like, I'm going to apply leverage to make you do this. And then him going, oh, wait, there's a reason to do this, huh? <laughs> um, so very excited to see the season two arc of that. But I won't spend too much time talking about Andor. For, for Andor, the spy would be like Sinta. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It would be Senta, uh, the hardest spy in Star Wars. Oh, I love Senta. <laughs> Me too. I love this character too because there's so much opportunity to apply pain and tragedy to their uh, backstory. So I, my my spy has sacrificed quite a bit to be where they are right now. Speaking of sacrifice, that's a good time to introduce. There's one mechanic I add on top of the mechanics of Galactic that I haven't talked about, which is fates. Fates are things that the space between, which you might know is some like a force that exists in the universe and connects all things, you know, some force. Uh, it's called the space between here. And it has fated your characters to all experience something together. If you've played Blaze in the Dark or something like that, you might know of clocks, which are like things that progress and happen in the background. It is like a clock and also a little like a pillar. And so what happens is once you all trigger the fate, which happens by asking characters to follow you into a mission that has impossible odds, all of you share that fate. You then get to use the four fate moves listed on that page uh, that go in order. And when you get to the final fate move, these are just like pillars. Anyone can evoke them at any time. When you get to the last one, it gives all of our characters a move sacrifice yourself for the cause and show how your final act is critical for the party achieving their ultimate goal. And you give all of your remaining tokens to another player. And so that's saying like, here, take everything I have left and please finish the mission. What a move. (laughs) Thank you. That actually came at, this was in second edition. It didn't originally have that, like give all of your tokens. Um, Mm. And the design consultant say that was like, we need a way to feel like this is like, moving you forward towards your goal, right? And Mm -hmm. that's where this came from. I'm really happy with how that happened. But anyway, I say in the rule book to talk beforehand about whether you want to use the sacrifice fate. You technically don't have to, and we don't start with it in play. It starts when you ask someone to go on a mission with impossible odds, but it's good to get like a temperature check. Mm -hmm. How are you all feeling about our whole party tragically sacrificing themselves as heroes? Uh, 100% yes. Yes. (laughs) Wonderful. Good to hear.
now we can move into characters. So some people have like a little bit about their characters selected, which is sort of perfect um, because it is also a collaborative process. So the parts that you don't yet have selected, I really encourage you to like talk aloud about what you're thinking about and what you might want, because it allows us to set up our characters against each other. And then once we've picked all of our individual character questions, we basically have lists of prompts to choose from. And then after that, we will design relationships. These relationships can be the same people with each other. So we can like say, oh, maybe my like liberation connection is also the person leveraging you. And then we will do ask lefts and ask rights, where we will connect our characters and give them history together by asking certain questions. But we'll just start with names and looks if you have them. I don't because I really like to do this all at the table, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty familiar so I can do it pretty fast. But we will have our spy introduce uh, everything that that character uh, that you know about that character. Our spy is named Ronan Zarado. Uh, his pronouns are he and him. He has an impassive face, but piercing eyes. And on him, he has a concealable blaster, as well as high-tech goggles that he wears. Wonderful. And if you have any ideas about your characters, I actually may often encourage people not to at this stage, but just if you do, you're welcome to, sh to share them. Just we'll play off of them. Oh, go ahead. If you, if oh, oh, I, I, I don't know, because I do have ideas. <laughs> go for yeah, it. Yeah, go ahead. Go for it. Yeah. All right. So uh, Ronan is, uh, he started out not part of the cause. Um, he was uh, a young man who had just um, gotten betrothed to his partner and his partner came pregnant. Um, and they, when they had the child, um, it was discovered that the child had the gifts um, of a Nova. And Ronan uh, went into hiding with his his family, with other people who had children um, who had the Nova gifts, but their commune was attacked. Um, and many of the children were stolen and many of the parents were killed. Ronan and his partner managed to, managed to get away from that. But in, in getting away, like Ronan met some people who essentially told him like, hey, we can protect, we can find a way to protect your family, but you need to join this cause basically and also cut off all uh, connection to them so that your work is no longer traceable to your child. And that's the only way that we can protect them. So to Ronan's family, he looks like a deadbeat dad who just left, but Ronan is actually part of this cause so that um, he can protect his family and keep them in hiding. Heartbreaking. Oh, that's so good. He's a family Thank you. <laughs> And the bar is so high now. I was like, well, I better... <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> Put the word family in there, and I was like, ooh. <laughs> we never get to see, like, parents of the Jedi or the relatives of the Jedi and, like, how they dealt with, like, knowing that, like, you know, if I knew that my kid went to the Jedi Temple and then Order 66 happened... I would have some feelings about it. So, all right. Well, I'll, I will go next then. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so I am playing uh, Catherine or Cat uh, Taylor, uh, the Knight Errant, as we sort of said. She, her pronouns. Uh, her look is that she has a, a scarred face. I've not thought about exactly what it is, but uh, it definitely is uh, something that she would have got in some sort of battle. And steady eyes as well. Uh, her style is that she has a sentimental pendant uh, around her neck. 
has a uniform with the insignia, uh, insignia sorry, uh, patched over and a damaged but functional astral blade. And I've sort of got it down here, I think. What was it? Uh, so, because we've got, I know we've got principles and stuff. Do you want me to go into that just now, Jess, or...? We'll get back, and that that's where we'll sort of finish. Cool. Uh, I think other than I think I'll just go on uh, descriptions just now. But yes, definitely a a, a taller person herself, like a, a very long. Uh, let's go for slightly older, perhaps maybe a bit maybe unusual. I am not sure, but uh, lots of grey streaks in the hair, and sort of tied up in like almost like a tight bun at the back. Always is sort of like I would describe as always. When you turn around, she's just there. Uh, and you won't have heard her come in, perhaps. <laughs> uh, but she's not like a threatening sort of presence, but she's just there. And she's, I, I've sort of picked the steady eyes as sort of like, is just watching, but isn't there's no judgment on it. She's just always like the watcher, essentially. That sort of thing is taking this information in and just, yeah, that's, that's, as, that's as far as I got. So just a, a slightly taller, older lady with gray hair. I was like, done. <laughs> and actually, as I look at your options, I'm going to change my own mind as facilitator because I'm already so intrigued. So go ahead and actually tell me what you've picked of every playbook has two backstory questions that are unique to the playbook in, in addition to the ones that we all share. And so go ahead and tell me your answers to those and what you were thinking. Because I also, Katrina's was so great that let's like start start reading these together. Yeah, yeah. no, I've got, no, not at all. So yeah, so I have the, the prior cause and why you left. And so I picked um, an order of Novas before I lost my closest comrade. And so I now that obviously Katrina did an amazing job, I'm like, well, that's going to be some possibly some sort of connection to that, perhaps, which would be quite interesting. And then the principles. So the one that I always abide by is to forgive even when it is difficult. And then one lost principles burning a hole in your heart is loyalty to those who fought beside you. So I think whilst again in the sort of the backstory of it like obviously something quite tragic has happened and the cat has been separated from her her sort of uh what do we call it an or this order of novas but it was the right choice to do because whatever happened in her past it was such a great burden that she couldn't be part of the team anymore this this grief and trauma was too great so now has to channel that through a different way and to help those who you know the order of novas whether they continue or not it's up to them, I guess. But it's just like, I can't be part of this team because it hurts so much as a result. And, and yeah, so there. That's, that's what I, that was sort of my sort of process thought of thinking about it. I love that. And I love the possibilities for connection with Katrina's character yeah. of like, one, it loves someone who is a Nova and the other has like, is a Nova who has been away. Oh, so great. <laughs> Dusty, you want to go ahead and introduce the choices you've made for your character? Yeah. Um, I'm still thinking of a name because names are usually some things that come last to me. Um, but uh, for looks, I've chosen earnest face and hopeful eyes. Um, I, I'm choosing earnest face because I just love the idea of this like fresh kid coming in and like they just can't hide what they're feeling. That's why I did that. The style choices, I have a regulation blaster, a gifted jacket. I think the jacket, you know, when I saw that, I'm just thinking, okay, this jacket is like maybe a little too big and uh -huh. kind of clashes like looks wise with everything else about them but they protect it for whatever and then i joined the liberation because i also love tragic backstories i witnessed a mandate atrocity which we could figure that out i mean it sounds like what happened to our spy may be applicable um so there's that and then for this i have the convert has a skill choices and there's a skill that you're trained in and i chose hacking because i just think that's fun i think that could be applicable to like 
um, like lock picking, like hacking stuff, like hacking robots or droids, that kind of stuff. Um, and then two skills you want to learn, which is rousing speeches and grace under pressure. Mm-hmm. I love the idea that you have these technical skills, but what you really want to be is like a big damn hero. Like, yeah, um, it's adorable. Yes, absolutely. I love this character already. Yeah, I'll, I'll think of the name eventually. Do you have any idea of pronouns at all? Just, uh, but no worries if not. It'll probably be they them. Good to know. Thank you. I am the leveraged. Um, I haven't picked my look. I've gone a little bit in reverse order just because like hearing you all has been so inspiring for me. And I've got for my style, I know that I have a leather jacket and fingerless gloves and uh, oh, Lynn Corrick, she, her. Um, and Lynn is a criminal. And that's where the cool criminal look comes from. And what is someone holding over me? And I think it is a captured comrade whose checkered past justifies their arrest. And what I am thinking, if this is something the party likes, because I'd like this to be like a, a discussion, is maybe to wrap into our desires. My captured comrade is another criminal who was willing to do jobs for the mandate. And so the reason that they got captured is because they had classified mandate intelligence and were doing jobs for the mandate. Mm-hmm. And so um, my character is a bit of like a, maybe hasn't worked for the mandate herself, but it's like, I mean, you can do what you got to do to get by, right? Like, mm-hmm. who are you to judge us? We're, we're here to judge. But that is her current perspective. Um, mm-hmm. And so like the liberation is able to be like, if you want her freed, prove to us that the, like two of you can do something that matters. Is that sort of story sounding interesting to people? Um, yeah, I love that. I, Absolutely. I'm 100% for it. And the two principles that challenge even my cynicism are the duty to protect those who risked their lives for you. So that's both the connection to my comrade who's jailed, but also it's a way that when we play into it in our game, if you all put your lives on the line for me, there can be that sense of like, oh no, now I do care about these people. I was trying to be <laughs> cynical and aloof. You proved yourself such good people that I have feelings. Mm-hmm. And my second one is cops deserve what's coming to them. I see Lynn as a character who turned to a life of crime because wherever she grew up, that was the only option. Like she was very much on like Moss Eisley style, like the empire has hollowed us out and left us with no legal means to make a living. Um, And so her perspective on like thinking it's justified to do whatever and take whatever jobs is informed by the fact that it's always been like this. It's the only way to get by. And if she actually gets presented with an opportunity to take that out on the people responsible, she might want to do that more than more than she cares about being a cynic. So yeah, there's Lynn Corrick. Uh, Katrina, if we come back around to you, do you have uh, some ideas for principles and sacrifices that you'd like to share? Obviously, the the thing that Ronan is sacrificed is kind of it's a I, I've been on the border of the family from who you ran away or a different life, so I chose different life just for now. Because this, the Ronan essentially has in his mind, he's agreed to die eventually and never return to his family because he can't see a logical outcome that doesn't involve that. So he sacrificed a different life where he gets to see his child grow up. And then the principles he's fighting for uh, are that family. I wrote, you know, I chose love or left behind, but it's because of, it's because of them. That's it. He's very single-minded in that. It's just like, that's cool (laughs) if the galaxy gets freed and stuff, but like, I just don't want people hunting my baby all the way through their life. I love that. And then for the principles. 
so the principles that I've uh, I've broken, um, the first is to only kill those with a weapon in hand. I think that Ronan entered this in a way that like he really wanted to be honorable, but then he saw too many messed up things and his uh, fortitude in that sense is, is pretty well depleted. Um, and then one of the things he won't break is that he will put himself in harm's way if it means others don't have to. I love this character so much already. Dad, he's the dad of the group. <laughs> yes, he's a really reluctant dad, but he's the dad of the group. So we've got all of our choices. And I think actually what I'd like to do here before we hop into relationships is finish the rest of our pillars, because that'll help us know who these relationships are coming from. And we will start with the space between. Dusty, would you like to read that italicized text under the space between? This is written by Riley, Riley Rethel, who made the base system. And these pillars are Riley's fantastic work that we're importing into Going Rogue. The space between, the connections between people are what surround us and give us strength. The galaxy is never silent. It is alive and humming with energy that you can feel if you pay attention. When channeled correctly, the space between can turn dominions into empires and revolts into revolutions. But be careful, for concentrated power can be dangerous for anyone who dare comes near. Excellent. And can you read us our choices? We'll pick two desires now. Yeah, so for two desires, so the choices are solidarity, difficult choices, balance, intense bonds and uncontrollable emotions, solitary training, enlightenment, revelation, unity with those who came before. Does anyone have desires in that list that are standing out to them? Uh, my vote would be for the intense bonds and uncontainable emotions myself. I think just from, not just from me sort of picking up what uh, Katrina was saying, but just in general, just this idea that is so important to us that maybe it is an emotion, it is the, playing with the emotions and stuff, almost like playing with threads of the weave or something. Um, so that would be my sort of go-to if people are happy with that. That was exactly what I wanted. That's so perfect. I, I was thinking the same thing because it's yes. like, let's do the opposite of the force. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. I'm going to interrupt our picking desires just to say that I think Star Wars universe is saying that there's only two ways to use the force and one's good and one's bad sucks. One of my least favorite things about it and what part of why The Last Jedi is awesome challenges that. How do you all feel about having a variety of force traditions. Maybe it'll come up, maybe it won't, but the idea of there's a bunch of different ways and schools of thought on how to interact with the space between. Yes. Yeah. Especially absolutely. if it involves witches. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. That was like the first example I had in Star Wars was the Night Sisters of how they use the force differently and like how they tapped into like a specific part of it to make funky ghost zombie people um then and you, you don't get that from the jedi or the sith really so mm -hmm. yeah fiona i wonder if you might end up having connection to like a, a witchy um wow, wow. yeah i love that idea though. that's amazing so are there any other desires standing out to people with that said um i think i want to rule out enlightenment and solitary training or sorry um balance and solitary training because very group game and then balance is not what we're building with these force traditions, anything mm. that people do want. I do like difficult choices. Yeah, agreed. Absolutely. Yeah. It fits well with the, with the theme of the game. Then we can go on 
Uh, Katrina, do you want to read the mandate? But of course. Sometimes it feels like there's no escape from its gravity. The mandate is an intergalactic superpower that uses its might to control the galaxy with fear, propaganda, and alienation. The only way the mandate can perpetuate itself is with constant aggression, advancement of weaponry, and violence. And we know that it will eventually collapse under its own weight. However, until then, it continues to cause death and destruction across the galaxy. Two desires. Uh, our desires are untold destruction, unquestioned supremacy, military expansion, an end to the Nova, hierarchy and order, dominion over the space between, and the restoration of an old order. Any of these jumping out to people? I might have one, but I've played this so many times, I would love to hear your thoughts. For me, specifically, I think restoration of an old order is coming to mind especially with saying that there's all these different traditions they are trying to get one that's gone maybe for a reason absolutely oh i love the idea that there's sort of the you know return with the v people but to like a particular forced tra- like space between tradition but also i love the idea that that space between tradition their idea of it is not actually how it was in the past, yes, right? Just exactly. like this, this construction of like Roman statues as if they were all white and they were actually technicolor. Um, yes. And so they have come up with this idealized, awful, uh, shitty old order they wanted. <laughs> Great. Perfect. Anything else standing out to people? I think unquestioned supremacy is, is it's a good like catalyst to what the Parliament's ideals are. And I think that goes well with Restoration of an Old Order and sort of, we've got a very space between e going rogue, which I haven't usually played. Usually it's very light on that. And mm-hmm. I think that's very exciting. Mm-hmm. And the idea of it is not only that we restore this old order of Nova, it is also that they are the only game in town. We are stamping out everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is unqu- This is the only way to do it. Um, in fact, they are almost the Jedi of this universe, but they're villains <laughs> was only loosely not true of the child kidnapping jedi of star wars yeah that that makes sense to me because yeah because like there's also like the end to the nova as well which i think that just buys into if we're doing if we're changing that sort of interpretation of the restoration of the old order it's yeah that totally makes sense you even would have maybe nova's uh changing allegiance and like being forced to like go over right mm-hmm. absolutely so i quite yeah that could be a really interesting thread to play with and then our last pillar. Fiona, could you read the description for scum and villainy? Ooh, uh, yes, I can. You know, criminals. <laughs> <laughs> Which is w- one of my favorite pieces of Riley's writing. It's heartbreaking. My scum and villainy expansion ex- uh, splits that into two pillars, the scum and the villainy, which mm-hmm. I'm very proud of and happy with. And also it, it does kill me to take that particular uh, read aloud out of the game. Um, and then I'll read the desires for it because we've all, all read stuff. Uncomfortable bargains, understanding, the jackpot, Secrecy, strings to pull, escape from this livelihood, fresh blood, and enough credits to get through the week. So, what are we feeling? Which of those desires for the scum and villainy do we want? I might actually put a whole list that I am thinking, and then maybe that'll help us narrow it down. Please, please, yeah. 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 I am thinking either uncomfortable bargains, understanding, strings to pull, escape from this livelihood or enough credits to get through the week. So I've only eliminated like 
three, but <laughs> helpful, helpful. <laughs> I actually, I really liked Uncomfortable Bargains. Yeah. I think that'll be fun. I think that along with Escape from This Livelihood is a fun combination. Yeah, those, those are the two that stand out to me as well, so. And I think that works really well for my character's backstory, right? Of like, I thought it was all that there was and this campaign might reveal to me that there is something more there's there's something else to do and be but it is very scary and uncomfortable for me to actually step into that world Mm -hmm. okay i think we have carved out like a really cool universe for ourselves here and now let's populate it with people so we will hop back uh to our character sheets and you'll need you'll need the rule book for here because the playbook can't fit all of the relationships but you'll notice a list of characters or a list of relationships on your rule book page and each one has two adjectives so for example i have the scheming or commanding liberation officer leveraging me and what's important to know those adjectives have mechanical effect because if you look in the Galactic 2 ebook, there's 36 traits. There's also six at the end of going rogue. So they might be in either place. Those traits will give moves to the NPC because every NPC gets grouped to a pillar. So it might be a scum and villainy NPC or a parliament NPC. And so that you don't have to track 40 million token pools, mm-hmm. those tokens go onto and off of the pillar. So if you have a mandate NPC who uses one of their moves that gains a token, you just put it on the mandate. And so all of our NPCs will get grouped. You get to decide what pillar they're on. Um, But if you can decide your adjective purely based on vibes, you can just be like, this is generally what I know about this character. And then their moves will probably flow from those vibes. Or if you're not sure, you can go to the trait in the rulebook and be like, do I like these moves for this character? Do these moves feel like who this character would be and what they would do? Um, And you have either option, but yeah, go ahead and take a look at your relationships. Something that is really good here is to start naming some of your relationships aloud, even as you're just considering them, because they can be the same person. They might be like each of our relationships might end up being the same person. For example, I'm going to have a scheming liberation officer leveraging me. They're the one who's got my like comrade all locked up. Um, and I'm curious if one of you has like some sort of liberation official or someone in the liberation who you think might be the same person as my scheming liberation officer. Um, and they can end up with multiple adjectives. Mm-hmm. See, that's fun. Cause I have an our store, our scheming liberation authority with plans for me. Um, yes. What if we had the austere scheming liberation, like intelligence officer, mm-hmm. they're austere. They play it close to the chest. They don't let on all of these like feelings, but they are pulling a lot of strings. They're bringing in me. They have plans for maybe manipulating you into being a willing sacrifice. Yeah. Fresh face. Yeah. It's easy to like get them all hyped about this and just like, Hey, um, there's a tumor inoculated detonator over there. Um, just pull the green one. Everyone stand back. <laughs> I love this. I'm down to tie uh, the spy into that as well, because I also have a scheming, cynical, superior officer. So I think maybe they could be the same person who like, has the spy assigned to this mission. That sounds perfect to me. So um, if you all want me to suggest a name, I'm thinking Agent Trinity Highland, she, her. And Pillar is the intelligence, and she's scheming and austere. 
Does that sound good to y'all? Yeah, I like that. Excellent. I know my second one because I've got a really strong backstory relationship built in, sort of. So Camden Allure, also she, her. Her pillar is the scum and villainy, and she is a troublemaker, is her trait. Um, and she is the one who ended up in captured by the liberation because she did a mandate job. Not everyone has to connect. And so we don't like have to force that. It's just like, mm-hmm. as you're keeping people in mind that you might see a cool connection worth making. Does anyone else have a relationship that is standing out to them that they just want to put forth? Yeah, I really, I love the gossipy criminal idea. Um, I think they would be, it'd be cool to have a contact like that for the spy. And when I read that, I immediately thought of Hondo Onaka um, from uh-huh. from Clone Wars and how like he's yeah he's a pirate but every once in a while he like kind of helps Obi-Wan or like slips him a little information or something um, so I definitely think like it, that could be like the the Hondo Dexter Jetster combo for my um, my spy is like someone who works in the underground and maybe talks too much to them. That sounds great so scum and villainy pillar gossipy trait you can put that in your in your character sheet. I also love that. Maybe that's how I end up also being in the radar of the liberation is I know this person too. And like you find out about my partner in crime through your gossipy contact. And like, yes. uh, awesome. That's perfect. Anybody else have relationships standing out? I will note, uh, but most of us do two. The spy does three, partially because the spy is my, I'm not supposed to have favorites, but it is because it's a love letter to Cassian Andor. And also because spies have to have a network of people. Uh, so there's three there, but um, anyone else have another relationship standing out? Uh, I, I can go for my first one if that's all right, because uh, I think it'd just be quite fun. Uh, I've gone for a, a zealous former comrade. Uh, sort of trying to pull me back to whatever maybe again maybe I had a higher status in that Nova order before I left or something like that but I just I, I do again because it talks about with this particular playbook like the call or the pull of the new cause but the old cause still being there so even having somebody contacting me on a regular basis saying like, oh things are great <laughs> you <Yes>. come back <laughs> I'm like no and still like very passionate for the mission, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, I chose uh, zealous on that one. So yes, absolutely. What pillar would that be? Is that, I know this sounds very silly, but what pillar would that be? I would think the space between. Yes, that makes more sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'll come up with a name, but uh, let's go he him for, for that one. So also, I have a name doc. So if you ever need me to suggest names, I don't usually have too many names that feel gendered male, but I have lots of names. If, uh, <laughs> when you get a moment, I'd love to get, grab a name from that uh, doc from you because that'll be awesome. Because other, otherwise, they'll all end up being various middle names of friends that I know. So that's... <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it'd be nice to actually have something that sounds more like it would be in a, a sci fi game, if you know what I mean. Oh, fantastic. Thank you. There is uh, a name generator from a website called Donjon, which has the most incredible collection of different name generators and they have specifically a star wars name generator and i have used that name generator so much that i've used almost every decent option that it gives but (laughs) here is i've also provided a link to it i just can't use half of them because they exist in my other games Uh, but you're always welcome to pull from there if it's uh, helpful i also have a huge temptation i'm really impressed looking at the names I've selected so far that I haven't done it that much, but Mm. in my galactic game, I can't do any more four letter character names ending in a, 
because we have like eight of them. And I just think it sounds super sci-fi. Uh, so I'm branching out finally. You're not wrong. Um, well, I'll go for, uh, I'll just use that name generator. Thank you for that. Uh, Poro Kimitin. Poro Kimitin. That's a good one. Dusty, do you have any relationships in mind? What is sticking out to me, just because it's kind of tying into eyewitness a mandate atrocity, mm-hmm. was um, the cunning or stealthy enemy from my past life who's still hunting me even now. I'm thinking more cunning and it would be someone that saw me witness whatever happened. And mm-hmm. they're keeping it shush-shush, but obviously I'm still alive. Absolutely. Oh, I love the idea of, like, the mandate is saying that never happened. And yeah, perfect. That was a, a mandate pillar. And I think that gives us a, a, a villain, which is nice. That, like, is our first relationship to establish an antagonist. I wonder what if that atrocity you witnessed had to do with the Nova? like them wiping out some sort of Nova group, which really gives you this like personal investment to Katrina and Fiona's Mm storylines. And like, I think maybe, yeah, I think it was literally them wiping out on maybe even just like, not even like a small planet. It was a bigger like metropolitan area. And it was, the atrocity was wiping them out. And it was um, said it was like, a gas leak oh totally or something so yeah a huge explosion you can't just exact exactly lie that away but you can lie what it was about yeah now we have an antagonist to move around does anyone else want to do their next relationship we have a few more left from different people fiona or katrina i yeah i so i i decided the gossipy criminal will be named uh gorsaga keen and then i also have a a wise former squad mate. I'm thinking this is the person that like brought uh, Ronan into uh, the intelligence in the first place. Um, And they're now high ranking. They're a bit of a a mentor to him. This is the person that he'll go to and like he absolutely needs advice or like he needs a a specific piece of like vital information or something like this. This person has it all. Her pronouns are she and they. Um, Her name is Vanna Walduel. Um, W-A-L-D-U-E-L-L-E. So Star Wars, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Just have to note that uh, the spy's last name is Zorado with two A's. Um, And I love that because I love repeated letters in Star Wars names, like Mm -hmm. a a classic Tim situation. (laughs) Let's see. Anybody else want to do a second? I think Fiona, you've got one down here. Yes. uh, Yeah, still working out. But yes, I, because I liked, I had it said on the paper, because I'm imagining... Uh, my character to be just like again I know it won't come across very well on podcast so obviously I'll speak of it more when it happens but you know that's sort of that person who takes their time with the pauses and stuff but I like the idea that I have a friend that just talks at me and I go Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so I picked a rousing friend I made recently, but I like the idea that it's a friend in a sort of it's sort of like quotation marks in the sense of like they've always sat with me and then just talking about stuff and I go Mm. and they go you're so good you're a great listener and I'm like mm-hmm. and then they go like I don't mind their company but it's definitely a maybe a, like a well it's not like a a toxic relationship or anything like that but like there's definitely more investment from one side than the other and I'm just happy that so you know, oh you've, okay you're sitting with me today that's nice um so I've I've chosen um the name from that wonderful sci-fi generator you sent Winnie Dolfo she her so a rousing friend I've made recently and again I'm open up for suggestions of which uh pillar 
they belong to. I'm, I'm actually quite open on that front. I, one, am so excited about this character. I love characters like that. If I would get to play that NPC, I'd be so excited just to like get to talk to you about everything going on in the liberation. And like, <laughs> it's it's wonderful that you've come back to like find something else oh, to, to, yeah. to be committed to. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, trying to eat the various food. I'm like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> exactly. Um, my suggestion, we don't have a parliament NPC yet. And the right. idea that like maybe she's basically like an intern at like a counselor's office or something oh. who like really believes the parliament is going to change everything, right? Like we're going to get the whole galaxy behind this. Yeah. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Basically, it's like, I'm like the opposite. So that it's basically I'm playing my mum, and then that person is the me telling her about my podcast. And she's like, mm-hmm, great, wonderful. <laughs> well, you do you love, you know. So, yes. <laughs> yes. Brilliant. So yeah, so, so yeah, she's a part of the parliament. So that's Winnie Dolfo. And then I think we have all our relationships, right? Because Katrina, we also have the, the liberation officer. Yeah, wonderful. which means we have one last step before we call it for today and get to get back into play soon, which is our ask lefts and ask rights. This is one of my favorite things about uh, belonging outside belonging systems because your characters have a, a whole bunch. I did a Twitter thread on this recently about how like, unless your characters are coming to the table strangers, which they can, but it's really interesting to have a party that already knows each other. That's a big blank space in your past that some systems doesn't really give you tools to like, establish that void. And so this lets you build a history and interconnect your characters. It's also especially important in going rogue. Some of my most intense design work was on these questions because we're a lot of loners and cynics here, at least three or four of us. So what brings us together and gives us a seed of why we might actually want to work together? Um, And so these questions are really intentionally designed. There is Uh, I'll let you in on a little design hint here. There are one question that creates some sort of negative feeling and two questions that create the possibility of positive feelings. And because you have to select two, you are always forced to select each one question that like creates some sort of like potential for positive connection. The base game has four questions. And I did away with that in order to force people to pick one of the creating connection because otherwise it's very difficult for parties like this to, to form that connection sometimes. So... I will go first to give everyone a chance to think about what they want to ask for left and right. I'm going to call it just for the sake of making it easy what is left and right on a Zoom call. Fiona will be my left and Katrina will be my right. Then you get to pick questions. So let's see. For my leveraged questions, the options are, how have you facilitated someone gaining leverage over me? How have I surprised you with my skills recently? Or... Why do you feel sympathy for me? I already have an answer to how you facilitated someone gaining leverage over me. I know that Katrina's spy. I know he went through my criminal, the, uh, his criminal contact, and that put me in their sights. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I want to cover new ground. So I'm not going to ask that question just because I already know it. So instead, Katrina, I am going to say, how have I surprised you with my skills recently? So they're like pushing on me. Your commanding officer is making me do stuff for the liberation. Um, And I'm this criminal who I think I'm a bit of, uh, I said I have batons across my back. Um, I think I'm a bit more of like a thief type, right? Like pickpocket, but also like working up to bank jobs. I do fight. I actually think my character doesn't like to kill. 
That's why mm-hmm. I use batons. Like I will if I have to, but like, I'm just trying to get by, man. I'm like right. not trying to be this like scary badass. I just need credits. And so, yeah, uh, I do fight, but I'm more thieve. How have I impressed you with my skills recently? You've challenged Ronan's initial thought, uh, thoughts on like thievery um, and the types of people who go into it. I think he's found relatability in you because you're both doing things that are considered bad for what he thinks are good reasons. And he just thinks that you're, you're, you're very good um, in, in like a tight squeeze of a mission, like you're really resourceful. And totally. that's really impressed him lately. I really love the potential for a connection that opens up, especially when like, I really begrudge you, but mm-hmm. you're finding this like respect for me and that like, there's so much fun gap bridging we can do in the process of play. Yes, I love it. And then asking Fiona, asking mm-hmm. uh, Kat, why do you feel sympathy for me? Oh, <laughs> I think Kat sees a lot of herself in you I think the way you've described sort of the backstory and stuff there are sort of like whilst we may be on different paths and different sort of things what you've experienced it feel it sort of resonates with her quite a bit so when you know you sort of like maybe a bit more cynical than the rest of us perhaps realizing where that place is from and realizing that you know maybe you if you wanted like a like an older figure to talk to or anything like that so i have more time for you i think i am aware that where these feelings come from and sometimes maybe it comes off as flippant maybe it comes off as like a more aggressive perhaps i sort of have time for that because i know it comes from a, a feeling of possibly insecurity or something like that that i would recognize in myself and other novas in training perhaps so i just sort of take my time and sort of just sit with you if needed (laughs) again I just appear and you're like oh why are you at the end of my bed again (laughs) (laughs) I love that so much especially because like she would begrudge that and be like like I don't need this yeah but absolutely does need it but I'd be like no you don't need it and I'd be like oh that's so infuriating (laughs) exactly (laughs) and there's so much chance for connection there also you lost your closest comrade that's why you left and my comrade is captured by the person we're working for. Exactly, exactly. So it's, yeah, so like I said, different paths, but very similar things, right? And I am like, I recognize that. And I need I need this as well as you need it. You see what I mean? So I'm like, oh, this is, this is my therapy as well. So we both have to sit here and enjoy each other's company. <laughs> I love that. Okay, so uh, as I say, always go left. Um, so we are going to go left on my screen, which is to Fiona. Can you ask your lefts and rights? And I will really quick say, if you're ever not sure, you're welcome to say, here's some options. Do you want one of these two questions? That is a thing mm-hmm. I, I have pointed at people before. So okay. I love that. Um, so obviously you're on my right, Jess, and I would assume then that uh, Dustin is on my left. Correct. If that's good. I can do it, guys. Uh, hooray. Um, so I'll read out all three questions. Uh, so I have, what did you do that inspired me to fight alongside you? What do you admire about me? And why did I risk myself to protect you recently? I would like to ask uh, Dustin's character, if that is okay. Um, Mm -hmm. Why did I risk myself to protect you recently? I went headstrong into something that clearly I really shouldn't have. But it was something where you 
risk yourself to save me because one like it was just incredibly stupid to think i could just do this without any training like i don't know maybe i tried to go into the middle of like a firefight to try to uh take out a generator but the generator has like a force field around it or something that of course i wouldn't know that but you would Mm -hmm. Uh, but you also risk yourself because no one else was going to do it and so i ran in there oh gosh it it was stupid but the fact that like you got there and then with your help we were able to disable something together yeah absolutely love that and uh, jess if i could ask a question of we get names right uh lynn if that's okay yeah what did you do that inspired me to fight alongside you oh i love that question for the leverage Mm -hmm. you saw that even if I wasn't doing this out of, you know, the goodness of my heart for like the cause, I was doing it for a comrade. Once you learned, once you like, I made some comment that like keyed you in to the fact that like they're holding a person over me and you're like, I think you saw the kernel of good in me in that, in a way, even I don't in this moment. Like I think of myself as cynically doing this just for the person that I care about. Mm-hmm. I've just decided I have an unrequited crush on Camden, on my troublemaker partner in crime that uh, I love her, but haven't told her. And you saw that I was doing this for what is fundamentally a good reason, connection between people. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I-, I think that you probably want to nurture that um, if I had to take a guess um, yeah. and like see that come into, into being. So I think that is likely what you, uh, yeah, what inspired you to like want to be there with me. I love that because that goes back almost to that we were saying before the dream that never dies that sort of that little spark of something yes oh I love that yeah brilliant thank you very much I appreciate it Dusty would you like to ask your questions right so it would be Fiona and Katrina correct correct all right so Katrina I think this would be very fun for Ronan by the way I have a character name it's Lobo Santos yeah I have another Star Wars OC called Lobo, so I'm very, very partial to that. I love it. (laughs) Excellent. I think it'd be very fun for you. When did I inspire you to feel a fleeting sense of hope? Ooh. Hmm. I think that uh, Ronan's the type of guy who listens very deeply to a lot of people because he has to. It's his job as, as a spy. And I think that though you haven't quite gotten to your rousing speeches um section of life there was something you said that just like stuck with Ronan and it stuck with him for like several days like um something about the cause that kind of gave him a new perspective on exactly why they were fighting and what they were fighting for and it may have even kind of like tweaked his priorities a little more where it's like okay this isn't just me and my family it's me protecting families across the galaxy like mine and and all that so I think it was just like you said something and it was one of those quotes that like it's now on his like mental vision board and he was so surprised by what you had said that it just like it shook him to his core (laughs) it's it's like me when I heard remember cry Uh, yes uh, (laughs) just something so simple and like offhand and then like Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. probably even forgot it but it just like it just like stopped him in his tracks and lifted like the veil of of his like negative exterior, I think. Mm-hmm. And then Fiona for Kat, 
-hmm. I think a fun one, especially since you are someone so experienced in general. Why are you willing to give me a chance to prove myself? Mm. I think depending on obviously what we're coming to in terms of missions with, I think I see people maybe like you or, or people that pretend to be people like you all the time. They come in, guns blazing, blah, 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 but not believing. I think this is the core thing to all this, right? Is that you are so passionate for the cause that we can make a difference. And whether it's another sort of uh, canteen thing where you sit down and you're telling me all the principles <laughs> and I'm there going, mm-hmm. But it's, it's the way, as almost as if you're reading them out on whatever pamphlet, whatever, I assume there's a how-to <laughs> liberation front. <laughs> like, so you're part of the liberation front, you know. But the way you sort of read it out, it feels like I'm hearing it for the first time. And I think whilst you are maybe wanting to develop those public speaking skills and like do the rest of things, it's like I already see it in you that you will be a leader. Like it's not about, it is about what you say, but it's about the intention behind what you say and you believe everything. And whilst maybe I feel certain things, I think whilst I may have feel like I'm out of sorts perhaps maybe the world has moved on and the, the Novas whatever they are in our sort of thing is you know they have to be protected and maybe I'm treated and put in a bubble wrap a little bit but the fact you spend time to talk me through and stuff and maybe maybe you don't even realize who I am you know like maybe you you your first day I go oh I'm sitting down and I'm talking to this person I'm like mm -hmm. and it's like that similar thing going you know that's like Ben Kenobi right you know it's, it's, it's a similar thing right and I'm just there going Hello. And I'm like, oh, you don't like this? You don't like your dessert? I'll take it then. You know, like that. <laughs> I like the. I never put it out as like this. This cool grandma essentially that, that takes other people's desserts and then just disappears. <laughs> That's. I can't believe I've done this for myself. But yeah, long, long and short of it is that for once, after hearing, seeing people going through the mill, getting disheartened, getting burnt out, getting sacrificed, you know, and maybe I have to distance myself from being so invested. But there's something about you that no, not only do I want to be invested, but you make me believe in the cause again. And though I would never tell you to your face because I don't want it to, I don't want you to suddenly <laughs> run into say, I don't know, a fire and try and do something silly, like where I would, oh no, the generator, quick. <laughs> like <laughs> Love that. Love, love, love that. Love that. I'm already in love with this party so much. Like, right. Just we are going to cry so hard next yes. session, guys. Just saying. <laughs> okay. And Katrina, you've got our last left and rights. Either side of me, I have Jess and Dustin. So. Yeah, correct. Cool. So, Jess, this first one's for Lynn. Um, how have my unique connections or information been invaluable to you recently? Oh, I love this because I'm furious at you. And so what makes you someone that like I, I begrudgingly got a, some really meaningful help from anyway? Mm -hmm. What if you're actually the one who advocated for giving me a chance to prove myself? You saw Ooh. that like chance of of like who I could be. Like you, you've developed a little bit of that begrudging respect. And you're like, okay, we're leveraging this person. But if they did really well, if they show us that they're like trustworthy, what if we actually let this person be a real part of this and also maybe let their friend out in a way that like, you probably didn't say it in those explicit terms, but I got the sense that you were advocating for me to your boss. 
Mm-hmm. And that was invaluable in my situation where I'm being kind of a little bit of a hostage, but I'm also grumpy at you for helping it happen in the first place. It's this interesting tension. Does that sound compelling? I love that. I love it. Cause it kind of plays into, you know, Ronan saw that potential in you and that's, that is why he's advocating for, for you to be given a chance. Great. Oh, awesome. Perfect. Yay. Awesome. And then, uh, Dustin for Lobo, what is the one lie that you caught me in and how did it make you feel? Ooh. So I think it'd be very fun if that maybe we are more of like a recent acquaintance mm-hmm. and uh, maybe one of my first few jobs, you were the Andor to the Aldani heist mm-hmm. that I was working with people that were doing this because, Hey, like, we could actually take them down. We could do something. And you're coming in and like, yeah, no, I'm getting like 50,000 creds. Mm-hmm. And so you were hiding it. And then it came out and just, yeah. Oh my God. We're just fucking Andor Nemec. I'm just doing the Nemec thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think how it made me feel was, what's the word for it? Not like defeated, but I guess like maybe complacence. Just like mm-hmm. no matter what this job you're doing someone's gonna like be there and not feel as hard as you do Mm. but also that's okay as long as they're helping you do the thing I like that too because I think that if you unless you know Ronan exceptionally well and know his circumstances he's not gonna tell you like oh I'm in this because my family is is in danger like that's that's the whole point is to not talk about his family so that nobody finds out that his kid is out there so he'll say like oh i'm in it for the money oh, i'm doing it for me whatever mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. that kind of thing so so it's a double lie i just love the idea that like yeah you're there to get money to funnel into the liberation but you can't tell anyone that that's where it's going because it's going to the secret intelligence group that no one is supposed to know about because the whole the parliament doesn't want to know about the uh, things that we're doing. Uh, mm-hmm. And so you have to pretend to be worse than you are in order to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh. See, and this is just setting up. This is just setting up. Oh, yeah. We're having a moment. You tell me about your kid. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. We have now finished every explicit element of character creation um, and setting creation, and we are nearing the end of our time, which is perfect. There is one last thing I want to touch on, and we can discuss it if we want to. We can also come back to discussion on it, or we can also just say, let's go or, or no, but all the things we put together have given me a uh, really a, a pitch for a sort of plot hook where we get started, which is considering we have such ties to the Nova. And clearly that's a big feeling for a lot of the people here. Um, And considering that we talked about sabotage and classified mandate intelligence, my character is really wrapped into the mandate intelligence stuff. Maybe my unrequited crush, uh, Camden, uh, got some information about some sort of Nova artifact, some space between artifact Mm -hmm. that the mandate is after that could like give them a huge way of getting control over the space between or like bringing back this old space between order. And our job is to go prevent that job, that thing from happening. So like to Mm -hmm. go sabotage their mission to recover this thing. But it's like, 
so incredibly risky that the parliament does not approve of like taking this massive action against something that is vital to the mandate. Um, yeah. Does that sound like a fun plot hook that we can jump into next yes. time? Yes. Yes. I, Heck yes. I, I just wanted to add for my other relationship to villain. Um, I decided like for the name, I think I do know them and they're a mandate general. So I named him General Jandi. Um, but that could just be something like, you know, that would motivate me even more. Cause it, yeah, I know that there's people just on the mandate doing this Ooh. and I've seen what they could do. I run into General Jandi on this on this little mission. Oh, um, oh dear. <laughs> okay. I think we have everything that we need to play going rogue. This is a dream. I'm so glad we got this specific cast together because you all get what this game is trying to be, what the like emotional core of this game is so quickly. And your character is just like, it is exactly what I want to play this game with. And so um, I'm very excited. Yay! I'm really excited too. This is going to be fun. It's like, excellent and then we play in a month's time but uh <laughs> i was all character creation was as like this and actually this is one thing i always find interesting with playing new games as well like obviously i know a lot of belonging uh outside belonging games they're you know they're meant to have this character creation and then go away from the table and come back but there's something beautiful about these things i'm going back to like the prompts like the ask questions left and right and stuff like that i think i know you were saying jess that you put so much time into getting them right and crafting them right because they are so important because a lot of rpgs with character creation obviously you create them separately you don't necessarily have the thing you have as a group is like what connects you all and some sort of big overarching thing and just there's just something about having the little connections that don't have to come up and play they're just there as a as a thing to re remind yourselves and stuff i just think it's so important and that's why I, I know i joked earlier but i'm definitely crying in this next session whether you guys want it or not uh it's gonna happen <laughs> and so yeah very very excited um i think we'll just go around once more and just do our, our, our bios and stuff as an outro if that's all right with folks just so we've got it don't worry there's not like a there's not like an exit question <laughs> that you have to answer <laughs> compared to the icebreaker one uh yeah so hello my name is fiona i am the host of what am i rolling uh i am going to be playing your favorite grandma from now on to eternity uh when i'm not doing this i do lots of improv i do a bit of voiceover stuff as well and uh but yeah if you want to check out any of the other podcasts i do i do the dms book club which is a, a weekly book club podcast about dnd &D, if you if you like that sort of thing i i don't worry if you don't because we're We've got the GM's book club coming out very, very soon, where we just take a bit of lore, take a bit of writing, uh, even a game mechanic. What do we like about it? What do we not like about it? And improving it for our own games, because games should be about learning, learning a different system. Going, that's really cool. How can I create a story with it rather than like I only must know one system? And also, you know, support other other games such as Growing Rogue too. You know, like this is the whole point of where. So that that's it. But you can find all of those podcasts wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, I'm going to hand it over to Dusty. If that's okay. Yeah. Hi again. I'm Dusty. He's there. He. Um, I'll be playing. Lobo Santos, who may be climbing their way into your heart eventually, are, no. um, you know. <laughs> yeah, you can find me, again, co-producer and player of Goblets and Gays, producer and GM of An Unwavering Force. What I said at the top of the show, if you like what we're doing, you'll probably like our show. If you like you're doing, you'll definitely like um, An Unwavering Force. We're touching on so many of these things, um, so I'm very excited about it. Um, I also do too many things as well um so you can just check uh out my twitter at dusty hill i guess you could also check out my itch at dusty hill i make very silly games as well and those are my two big things so yeah that's such a mood by the way saying like i do too many things and you're like yep that's all of us in this call i think <laughs> absolutely it is 
Katrina, please. Hi, everybody. I'm Katrina. You can find me anywhere on the internet at Katrina. That's O-H-C-A-T-R-I-N-A. And I am going to be playing Ronan, uh, the grumpy dad of our group. I'm really excited to to get into this character and kind of suss him out and, and crack open the egg. So that's going to be really fun. Um, you can find me all over the internet, but I am the host of Padro Pascal, the podcast about Pedro Pascal. I'm a TTRPG performer, so I'm on actual plays all the time, all over the place, including this one. Um, and yeah, if you look for me on the internet at that uh, username, you can catch up with all my latest projects, including What's Glup, my returning podcast about your favorite Star Wars characters. What's Glup is such a good name. Hundred percent best name in this in this whole show, including my own podcast. So good job. <laughs> and last but finally not least, uh, Jess, please end take us out. Essentially, we'll do. I am Jess, otherwise known. If you're looking for me on the internet, you can find me as Jess from Online, uh, including my website JessFrom.online or my games on Itch JessFromOnline.itch.io. I'm very on Twitter as at Just From Online, where it all started. I have some other games. Uh, I have The High Ground. Uh, if you like Going Rogue 2E, if you like what you hear, you can get not only that, but a second expansion I did for Galactic called the Scum and Villains expansion. Uh, so I've, I've done a lot in that universe. I also am working on something that, when this comes out, might even be out, which is Planet Fist. Um, it is a satirical, tactical, military, sci-fi, uh, like Starship Troopers-esque uh, romp. An expansion for Fist, which is a game by Claymore. Really great. Check it out. I also do consulting. I do uh, design consulting and writing and editing for tabletops. So if you go to my website, if you're interested, if you like the design thoughts you heard from Going Rogue, uh, you're welcome to inquire about those services. Um, and yeah, I, I have a lot of projects going on at any given time. Whenever this comes out, uh, go check out my Twitter and I'll probably be talking about them. Um, thank you all so much for playing my game. Um, this is just a delight to get to witness and see what you all do with it. I was just going to say was that I appreciate having obviously the game creator here to give those design notes because that's one thing I, I was going to give you a compliment off podcast but I was just going to do it now but is that what I loved about going wrong is that you have those design designer notes that sort of talk things through I love that as as I think maybe just the nerd in me is just like oh what did you really think so I no, I appreciate those and I, I appreciate you having that commentary throughout as well because it's just really helpful uh, to be like yes that's what I might meant I'm sure there's times when you're like that's not what I meant at all but you know what I like where you're going with it. So I appreciate that. As well. I actually, um, two things. One, I have an article coming out at some point soon in the Sandy Pug Games blog about writing good notes and like all the different types of notes and how to write good game notes because uh, Cannibal Halfling is a review blog and they actually said about going rogue and I have the high ground that my calling card was really good play tips and design notes. And so I was like, I felt very good about that. And uh, there'll be some advice coming out there about how to do that in your books. The, the design notes in, in Going Rogue especially were some very personally vulnerable ones, but I'm really, really happy with them. So I hope they that people like them like you did. Thank you so much for sharing that. Brilliant. Will our crew of unlikely heroes, Ronan, Lobo, Kat and Lynn, do what they must to make the universe a better place? Find out next time on What Am I Rolling? The What Am I Rolling podcast was created, recorded, and edited by me, Fiona Howard. This episode's players were Dusty, Katrina, Jess, and myself, 
Fiona. This episode's special guest GM was author and game designer Jess Levine. You can find out more about her work on her website, jessfrom.online. This episode's RPG was Going Rogue 2E, a GMless anti-fascist tabletop RPG about war, rebellion, and making the ultimate sacrifice. You can find out more information about Going Rogue 2E and grab your own copy on Jess's itch.io page. The theme music was 8-Bit March by Twin Musicon of twinmusicon.org, licensed under a Creative Commons 4.0 license. If you want to find out more about the podcast, check out the website. That's www.wairpodcast.com. Fancy getting in touch? Email the podcast at whatamyrollingpodcast at gmail.com. Finally, follow the podcast on social media at WAIR underscore podcast for the latest news on upcoming episodes. And remember, adventurers need not apply. <laughs>